Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a new edition of Small Business Chronicles. Uh, so there's a thing that I always tell my salesmen when I was over a sales thing is that you can have five different salesmen. You can go to a convention and you're selling yourself. It doesn't matter if you all have the same product. At the end of the day, if those five salesmen line up, that line's going to differentiate between the personalities of that salesman. Uh, and, and that's what I want to talk about today. I've got uh, Paul Green with me, and we're going to talk about why people don't buy from you. We're going to talk about what is wrong with you and why you people aren't buying from you. Now, now understand constru constructive criticism. Is it supposed to be constructive? It's supposed to be uh, able to help you and out. And there's just certain things that maybe we don't have the self-awareness to know, or maybe we don't have the self-awareness to navigate through. So maybe the show will help enlighten that and, and help you be a little more open and, and a little more acceptable to buyers. Uh, how are we doing today, Paul? Awesome. Thank you. How are you, Ryan? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. As you can tell from Paul's accent, he's not from Georgia. He's going <laughs> to be, uh, wh where are you coming from today, Paul? Uh, obviously from um, uh, Nevada. No, that was a joke. I was yes. desperately trying to think of another state then. No, I'm, um, I'm, I'm in the UK, about an hour from London. Uh, it's, it's a city that you wouldn't know unless you knew the, the UK. It's called Milton Keynes. It's actually the only city in the whole of the UK that was built on a grid system. So when they built this from scratch in the 1960s, they, they kind of looked around the world and said, hey, the, the traffic system in New York, that's really good. That works really well. Let's copy that. And so they built the whole city on a, on a grid road system. And I live just outside in a little village in the middle of the countryside, and it's lovely here. And I, I had the joy and honor of being on your podcast. So why don't you tell us, because my first question to every guest, because we're getting ready to dive in, I'm getting ready to ask you questions, we're getting ready to have a talk. What is it you do and why should we trust you? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. So I am a specialist marketer and I only work with one kind of business and that business is called a managed service provider. And you would look at that and think, what what do these guys do? And actually they're, they're all around you. There's something like 40, 50,000 of these businesses around the world. You would know them under a different name. You would know them as the IT support guys or the tech support guys. So what you and I think of as tech support, you know, you're in your business, your computer's running slow or you've got a problem and you ring IT support. Those are the people that I work with. And as I say, there are thousands and thousands of independent businesses. The reason they changed their name a number of years ago is because it's not really about IT support anymore. It is about managed services. So if you think of something like Microsoft 365, a whole load of the other SaaS software as a service uh, services that you buy in for your business, your IT guys now will manage all of those and they'll manage your cybersecurity to stop you getting ransomware attacks and other malware attacks, which are horrendous. And they'll manage your telecoms and they'll manage a whole series of things as well. So these days they sit across, it's almost like across all of your technology. And these are the most wonderful people to work with. So my business career, I started my first business 18 years ago, back in 2005. And I, I started a, a general marketing business, which became a niche marketing business working with veterinarians, dentists and optometrists. And those guys were OK. But these guys, the, the, the managed service providers are epic. They are so friendly. They are so customer focused. All they want to do is help people. They want to stop people getting into trouble. And then they want to help those people who are in trouble. And that's what makes them really, really good people to work with. 
So these are kind of the kids that as a young age liked helping their grandma program VCRs. It's it's it, <laughs> it, not to take anything away because the it because because that is a that is a noble thing because in the day's technology age, you have to learn how to make this program work with this program and this service work with this service. And if you're if you're in that vein, these people are going to have a different bundle of services and these people are going to have a different bundle of services. So I can see why the name change, I can see why they would, they, they would have to do this because they have to learn such a breadth of, of knowledge to just do this. Yeah. Well, 20 years ago, they were unscrewing computers, soldering chips and things <laughs> in. I kid you not, you know, and the, the, the job was all about going yes. to the site and sitting yeah. down and crawling under the table so someone can see your butt crack while you're plugging in cables and none of that anymore. They don't go to the site <laughs> most of the time. It's all remote. If your computer's broken, you get rid of it, you get a new one. You know, it just turns up at your house the next day. You, right. you, you don't even plug it in, right? You just connect it to Wi-Fi and two hours later, it's rebuilt itself. <laughs> so th- because, I mean, technology is right. awesome and it, it's changed so much i don't know how old you are ryan you kind of look yeah you look in the late late i don't know late mid 40s late 40s something like that mid 40s mid 40s okay okay we'll go with that I, that's, that's how to offend yeah. the podcast host paul um but um you know technology's <laughs> changed you think like i was i started my first job in 1992 91, 92, something like that, when I've just sort of come out of, of school. And it's insane how different the technology is. My first job, I had a little Apple right. Mac, and we're talking like the classic Mac, the late 80s Mac, and <laughs> it didn't, it wasn't connected to anything. It, it had floppy disks. And, you know, you talk about that to your kids today, and they're like, well, what's a floppy disk? And you say, oh, it's, it's the save icon. <laughs> and they say, but why does it look like that? What is a floppy <laughs> disk? Why, why did you, why were you taking a piece right. of plastic out of a computer and putting it in another computer? Why didn't you just email it to each other or beam it to each other and it's it's you know you, you kind of because we've lived through it we don't realize that we've we've lived through this enormous no. technological revolution and of course it's getting faster isn't it it's getting faster and faster these things are becoming more epic we all know that ai has been a massive thing this year technology is changing at such a pace i love it absolutely love it but it can also be scary it can also be scary it- to people it, it, it's it's a very scary thing because you're right at that pace. Uh, I, I'm exactly 45. I'm, I'm mid 40s. Uh, and, and you know, I, I've not been kind to any of this. That's why I take no offense at it. I've treated my life like Mr. Toad's wild ride and it's starting to come back and haunt me. So no offense. No offense there. Uh, uh, but yeah, because when I grew up, I grew up out on a farm out in the middle of nowhere. We, we had a one telephone and a black and white TV in my bedroom, a color TV in the living room. And that was technology, right? That was, and in our lifetimes, TV has gotten paper thin, internet phone has turned into internet. We got these devices called cell phones mm-hmm. that now we're into AI. So my kids, you know, my kids that were born into this, even my 18 year old, that was that they don't have any recollection of dad not having a cell phone. They don't have any recollection of not being able to watch TV whenever they wanted. They don't any of this. So I can understand how that would move into that that uh, provider service area and in the services area to where now it's not such of a hardware thing, but it's definitely a software because now you have things like Make and Zapier and yeah. and all these other things that just manage 
all these programs that run together. And, and I know that I worked for a guy, he, he didn't understand quite how it worked and he thought it could do everything. And, and I'm sure that your, your people in your business run into that all the time of people thinking that there's no limitations now. And of course there are, there are big limitations still to this day. It just, it's just really fancy from what it used to be. I'll tell you what the limitations are, Ryan. Um, the things often don't do the things that people say they can. So take AI, so take chat, right. chat, chat GPT, I can't even say it, right? It's an amazing tool, let's have no doubt. And certainly chat GPT four is a massive step up from three, but it still oh, yeah. has its limitations because essentially there's no real intelligence. We, we say artificial intelligence, no. it's not really intelligence. It's not making a creative choice. It is predicting an order of words. That's all it's doing. And I think this is where the, the confusion is about AI. It's 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 like our Siri and our, you know, the I won't say the A1, you know, Alexa, because I've got one just in the corner and she'll wake up. <laughs> but they, uh, oh. they, you know, they're, they're, we all know, and we've all got frustrated with them in the last few years because they haven't done what we want. What we want is we no. want to be able to say to them, let's say Siri, we want to say like, hey, Siri, I'm really tired. Um, what time did I get up this morning? And it'll say oh, 10 past seven. Um, but the weather, the, you know, the weather was really bad this morning. And you, do you remember you had toast for, for breakfast and that always makes you feel bad? I'll be like, God, yeah. Could you remind me tomorrow if I go anywhere near the toast, I, sh I should have porridge instead. That's the conversation we want to have, isn't it? Yes. We want, we, yes. You know, we want our assistants to say, oh, I've forgotten I've got to do that thing. Could you just tell Ryan I'm going to be 10 minutes late? And what it does is it looks in your calendar and says, oh, Ryan, you're supposed to be speaking to him. Yeah, I'll send him a message. You normally communicate with him by WhatsApp. I'll just send all that for you. That's what yeah. we want. And they don't do that. And it's the same with AI. Mm -hmm. So I think I think the frustration and the limitations are that we're being sold this. Do you know what? We're being we're being sold Star Trek future today. But it's not here yet, is it? And, and and who knows how many years away it will be. But that I think that's where the frustration comes in. It, it, it's a huge frustration because, yes, from chat GPT, what was it called? Da Vinci something or other when it mm. first came out. And then it was iteration three, then 3.5. I've been doing this since day one, right? Because I'm, I'm a big tech nerd. I, I, I figured out a long time ago I could build an entire business off teaching other middle-aged people technology. That's what I've done. It's nothing revolutionary or anything like that but i've kind of stayed up with the technology but the thing about like when you go to chat gpt and and we do we'll use chat gpt to help generate like the show description we'll have a form that we fill out and it will be did you just get blinked out of existence yeah <laughs> no, my, uh, i think I, I just had an internet blip there it was, it was a, a Marvel, oh my gosh Marvel mcu blip <laughs> I really hope it stays that way because you were there, I'm talking, then all of a sudden Thanos <laughs> just snapped your ass and you were gone. And I'm like, well, this is new. Um, yeah, no, like instant. Uh, so what I was saying was like chat GPT, it never gets it right. We fill out a form and we're like, Paul Green from this company, this is what we talked about. Put these links in, write a description, and it uses every English word no one ever uses. Uh, yeah. In this bespoke talk about technology in the forefront and fortuitous, what I'm like, calm your shit, right? <laughs> you, 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 I need you to talk like me, which is not exactly yeah. high level. And, but it, and but, so but then the you next, have to the next level yeah. will the next the next version will. Oh yeah, uh, five will, six will, and and this is oh, the thing. Of course. We, you know, we, we 
as soon as it's like when Siri and, and Alexa came out, when we 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 <laughs> they you know we thought they'd be able to do this stuff, and they've just been a constant source of disappointment. They're actually pretty cool. So like talking to you today, yeah. I have a studio set up. This is a virtual background. Yeah. I've got cameras, lights, microphone. I give one command to Alexa, and she she you know she lowers the blinds in my office. She mm-hmm. switches all the lights on. It's all automatic. And actually, even five years ago, if you'd said to me, Paul, you'll be able to do all of this with one voice command, that's actually pretty cool. So I think sometimes we forget what we can do because we're frustrated about what we can't do. Yeah, no, my favorite thing about Alexa is if you walk into my house and yell intruder alert, then all of a sudden the lights turn to red, a siren plays. Um, <laughs> it says this kitschy thing about how you better get out of my house now. And then what it's like, I'm going to get my gun and then welcome to the jungle starts playing. So Perfect. that is just, if you walk into my house and say intruder alert, that's what I did with technology. And the funny Chum's part is I don't accepted. even own a gun. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even own a gun. It's just, I, I just thought it was funny. So now that, now, like when the kids run through the house and do that. So yeah, the, 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 the thing about AI is you're exactly right. That Adobe uh, is releasing a ton of AI stuff. Mm. The generator of fill on Photoshop now. They just put it on Adobe Illustrator and Premiere Pro yesterday. Like it is amazing where we're going, but you're right. It's not there yet. And, and a lot of the tools that we're using and a lot of the things that we're using, it, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to see in 10 years what ChatGPT5 looks yeah. like. If it yeah. really can keep you away from toast and stop me from making these really bad decisions I apparently make. Um, I'm not going to listen to it anyway, but but let's hope. Uh, so let's dive into what we were talking about in the beginning, and that is how to get people to buy from you specifically. Uh, you're, you're, in, you're in more of a niche market, and you're also in a market, and I'm, I'm not trying to disparage anybody, but whenever you talk about internet geeky people, you're going to have a breadth of personality there that's going to be everywhere from charismatic to off-putting, and I think that's anywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. And and so when we dive down deep into sales and and, and selling people like like I, I got like I said, I was on your podcast. You definitely have a very professional, pristine. Let's do this. Let's do this. I'm more of a laid back like, fuck it, let's do whatever. Let's just see what happens when I hit this record button. Right. <laughs> but I promise you that both of us are successful. So what are those core tenants between you, Mr. Professional and me, Mr. Let's just see what happens. What are those core tenants in there that make us both successful and get people to buy from us? Yeah, that's a really good question, and I think the the principle for this can be can be taken back to what, whatever your style, whatever your your output, as it were, is an understanding of what the other person wants, and I think that's that's the key to it. And you're right, a lot of the technology people I work with, they don't enjoy marketing; it's a distress activity. They certainly don't enjoy sales; it's something they have to do to to win business. And yet they're they're good at sales; they'll close three out of four sales appointments. And the reason they do that is because over the years they develop this ability to look at this other person and put themselves in their shoes and say, right, this business owner, what do they want? Okay, they they want to be able to access their data from anywhere. They don't want to have to lie awake at night worrying about uh, like cyber crime. They don't want to, you know, they, they, they want their staff to be productive and not complain. I know how to do all of those things. So the, 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 the IT person I'm working with can talk really passionately about not solutions, not products, not services, but they can talk about outcomes. And So if we roll that back so it's accessible to any business owner, the secret of any marketing or any selling is to take the person that you are selling to and look at things from their point of view. 
And in fact, I read this in a book. I think it was the four week, the four hour work week uh, by Tim Ferriss. Uh, and the, the phrase is uh, to influence what John Smith buys. You must look through John Smith's eyes. Let me say that again, because that is an absolute standout thing. To influence what John Smith buys, you must look through John Smith's eyes. So I actually learned this before I started my business career when I was aged around about 30. I was a, a, a newspaper journalist and a radio presenter, and I did that for 10 years. I know, Ryan, you had a radio, you had a radio background as well. And uh, it's great fun. And one of the first things I learned on day one of journalism school was literally day, day number one, the first lesson was how to look at things from someone else's point of view. Because there was me and a bunch of other 19-year-olds, and we were writing newspapers. And we're talking back in the 90s when newspapers were just dead trees. And there was one, a, you know, in my town, there was one a week that came out. So you just had to do one newspaper a week. And the, the readership was really old. The demographic was really old. It was sort of 55 plus. And uh, so on day one, they had to teach the 19 year olds how to write for the 55 year olds. And the way to do that was to put yourself in the 55 year old's mind. So there's me 19. All I'm interested in is being a journalist, but also smoking, drinking, girls, cars. (laughs) Yep, that's it. Uh, So and, and they taught me to look at things as a, and I'm not even 55 now, I'm, I'm like six years away from that. But I, you know, what do 55 year olds care about? Their community, they care about what's happening around them, they care about uh, their children, they care about their pets, they care about the future, they care about their money. And, and you know, being 55, you, you're, you're perhaps approaching retirement, it's a completely different mindset. And then when I went into radio, and I was like 23, 24, our target audience was like a 40 year old mum. What do 40 year old mums want? No, I still don't know the answer to that. But what do what do forty year old mums want? Well, twenty two year old boys don't know what forty year old mums want. So again, it was another exercise in how do we understand it? Oh, hang on, forty year old mums—they've got kids, young kids. They're always rushing. They've you know they're constantly being a taxi. They're constantly you know they haven't got enough money. Uh, life is stressful and full. And and you when you understand that, you know that as a radio DJ, if you go on the radio and you start doing fart gags, right? The, the mums are just going to reach for the radio and switch over to another station because they don't want their kids in the back of the car doing fart gags. It's as simple as that. Because right. if you're talking about like, oh, there's a traffic jam here, go, don't go that way. Uh, if you're talking about, oh, this is something good to watch on TV tonight and it's the big mainstream program that all the other mums are going to be watching, that's the kind of thing that will interest them. So I, I, I think without realising it, my entire journalism and radio career was teaching me about good marketing. And it's it's the single most powerful skill that any business owner can, can build up to know. You know, you can sell anything to anyone if you can understand life from their point of view. It, it's business empathy is what it ends up being. Oh, is that. That, that's, always, that. that's always, that's yeah. always, no, absolutely. Because that's, that's kind of how I learned it because I am not a very empathetic person. I, I am, it, it's just who I am. We're all wired different. We all popped out of this primordial ooze. I liken it. I liken it with human beings as if you look at like a dachshund or a Doberman. Uh, certain people, certain dogs are just wired to do certain things. Certain people are just wired to do certain things. And I'm not a very empathetic person. My wife's sick, and I'm like, I hope you don't die and walk out. Like it's that. That's that's me being empathetic, right? So when I got into business, I struggled with the same thing is that when you go into business, here's a little bit of my rant, is when you go into places like LinkedIn, big networking groups, uh, uh, 
uh, trade shows, stuff like that. What happens is it all becomes plastic. Everybody has the same shirts, the same suits. It's a little bit like American Psycho, if you've ever watched that movie, <laughs> yeah, of the business it. cards yeah. and the stuff like that, right? That Brantford Ellis knew what business was, especially in the 80s, and it's still as plastic as it has ever been. So when I dove in and they were trying to teach me Sandler system, I'm like, hey, look like an idiot. It'll make them feel better. I'm like, that's just stupid manipulation. And then I went into insurance for a little bit and they caught us, taught us the disk system. So we would mm-hmm. know how to approach any person at any time, uh, if we, whether you be an owl or an empath or a this or that, whatever. And I'm like, man, we're just talking about more manipulation. But when I finally narrowed it down is exactly what you're talking about. When I learned empathy in my personal life, and it was something that I had to learn and grow. And I started doing that to business and I could sit down across from somebody and go, I see that you're a solopreneur, that you're running a coffee shop, your sales aren't as good as what they're going to be. Your, your, your target audience is 30 to 40 year old women and blah, blah, blah. So let's sit down and take your problems and fix them. And how do we do that with that marketing? And that is just that business empathy. And, and if I hadn't learned it in real life, I wouldn't have learned it in, in this life because it's amazing how much of, of of the, I guess you'd call secular things go into the business world, like emotional intelligence, having empathy, learning to be kind, learning to do that stuff that translates and, and, and. You start exploring and expanding on this plasticky business stuff, and and I feel it's that emotional empathy that gets you where you need to go in business. Yeah, I completely agree. And and the problem is that we don't develop those skills till we're older, as as you were just saying. You, you know, it takes. I, I I'm the same as you. I had very little empathy <laughs> for many many years, and actually right. having children, I've got a 13 year old who's awesome, and obviously not awesome because she's a teenager. But uh, you know, having children, right. you you suddenly learn empathy, and you turn about like your wife yes. being ill and stuff like that. Yeah, you, you you have to develop that empathy if you want to stay married. And then you do realize you're of like, oh, hang on a second, I'm, I've got a client here who's just lost their biggest client. They've just lost 50% of their revenue. And you suddenly start to realize if that was me in that situation, I wouldn't sleep. You know, right. I, I would be I'd be drinking a bottle of wine every night. And and so you you start to you, you can almost empathize because they're they're close to you. Can I can I just tell of you um, a, a number of a, a, a sort of things? Almost things you need to research when you when you're trying to get into someone else's head. Well, it's it's partly about getting into their head, absolutely. And part of their heart, because because getting yeah. into this business empathy, it you can do it in an hour. It doesn't need to be uh, you know a lifetime's worth of research. Obviously, the more time you spend on it, the better. But it's literally looking at it and asking yourself a couple of basic questions. Okay, this person I want to speak, I want to speak to, or I want to sell to. What do they want? And what do they need? Those are the first two questions. What do they want and what do they need? Now, needs are brain decisions and wants are heart decisions. Mm -hmm. And 90, let's make a stat up and pretend it's real. 98.4% of buying decisions are want decisions. We think that we make decisions with our brains, but we don't, right? So I've got an iPhone 12. We all know the iPhone, was it 15's just come out? This is three years old. I do not need a new phone. There is nothing wrong with this. But guess what I'm doing on right. Saturday, right? So I'm going to go and get a new phone, a couple of thousand dollars on whatever is the very best phone that I can get from the Apple Store because I can yep. and because I want it. Mm-hmm. It's not a logical decision; it's an emotional decision. Most business-to-business no. buying decisions are made emotionally. 
If it's a business owner or a manager, they're making it based on their emotions because they they put some trust in you. They go with the gut feel. If they don't understand what they're buying, and we, we know this from people buying IT, they don't really understand IT and technology, so they trust their gut feel. Do I like this person? Yeah. Do I not like this person? But even executives, you know, you if you sell into C-suite executives of, you know, a $50 billion company, they're still making emotional decisions. It's just the, the criteria is different. The question they're asking themselves emotionally is, if this goes wrong, will I get fired? Will this look bad on me? You know, so but it's still emotional decisions. Yeah. It's logic has very little to do with it. If you sell to consumers, it's it's almost a hundred percent emotional decisions. You know, retail, right. hospitality, hundred percent emotions. I, if I pick McDonald's, and a McDonald's is massive in the UK. I know it's it's gone off the boil a bit in the US, but here in the UK, it's almost <laughs> like our national restaurant chain. It, now, if you it, if you took McDonald's away, it would be horrendous. I know I know they're still there in America, but it's not. It's it, we love McDonald's more than you guys love McDonald's now. But if I go to McDonald's, <laughs> my brain can try and justify it as oh well, it's fast and it's convenient and it's cheap. But actually, I love McDonald's. Right? right? I love how it feels. I love how fast it is. It tastes great until afterwards because you always feel sick after a McDonald's, etc., etc. Right. It's, I go it's... Out for, yeah, no, you got you got you got like a quarter you, you got a quarter pounder in each hand. Like I'm here for a good time, not a long time. I yes. love McDonald's. I yeah. hear you. That's where I'm yeah. at. But if, if I go for a five hundred dollar meal and take someone special out for a meal, the, the, the food is really no different to McDonald's. It's a it's a slightly higher quality no. and it's better prepared, but it's still just food. Yeah. You can't justify five hundred dollars, but what I'm paying for is the experience. <laughs> I'm paying for people to be polite to me. I'm paying for the woman that sat opposite me to think this guy's must be something. He's paying five hundred dollars for a meal and you know that's that's what we all of it is emotional stuff so wants and needs are the first thing to to really understand and to separate out in your mind what i'm selling do they want it or do they need it and stop selling them on stop selling them on accreditations qualifications logical stuff they're not buying it on that you need a tiny bit of that just to satiate the brain the rest of it it's emotional stuff paint a picture for them if they buy the thing you're selling, how's it going to improve their life, their business, their cash flow, their family, their marriage, their children, their staff, their car they drive, all of that? Everything that we sell, every single person watching or listening to this, everything we sell makes some kind of improvement to people's lives. And that's the thing you've got to focus on. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, is to explore that more. You just need to get into their world a little bit more. Read the blogs they're reading. Look at, ask them what what uh, organisations do they belong to. What are the periodicals that come out of that? Uh, you know what what news do they read? If you serve a geographical audience, read the news that they're reading. Consu basically, go where they go. Find out where your your ideal perfect client is. Where are they hanging out, and what are they consuming? You want to target CPAs as an example. CPAs probably read. Uh, updates on laws. They probably read updates on regulations. Maybe there's some some humor, like some CPA humor sites somewhere. You read all of that stuff and then you read it, but you read it as if you were there. And you might not understand half of it, but that's okay because you're looking at it thinking, wow, there's a new regulation that's come in. They have to have this amount of software or this amount of that. How's that going to affect them? How's that going to affect what I can do to, to help them sleep better at night or whatever it is that you do? So I think if you just, and you could go so much deeper into this, but you know, if you just understand what they want or need and then get into their lives, get in their lives, understand what's happening in their lives, you will you will find it so much easier to sell whatever it is you sell to them. And I think you're correct, because let's tie this all together a little bit, because think about it's hard for us because we're old as shit. But if, if when we were kids, right, 
Uh, <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> You're the one with the ZZ top, I, head, not me. You know, it, it really is. It really look at this. Yes, no, I get it. But anyway, um, but no, like when you were a kid or as a parent, it, your mood depends on if you go out to eat that night or if there's food at home. Yeah. Your mood depends on if they go to bed early, if they get to stay up late. As a parent, your mood depends on what you do with your kids in a million different ways. And I liken that to the same relationship as as seller buyer, because if you go into a sales meeting and you don't have that empathy and you can't read the vibe of this guy's closed down, I need another approach. I need a whatever. Or if you go in, they're happy, they're go lucky, they're whatever. That goes into that empathy. You also have to you also just have to kind of read the room a little bit of, of knowing your target. You, you can't go in with one sledgehammer sales plan and not consider what that person is, who that person is, what type of morning that person had. Like you've, you've got to almost be a poker player, not in a manipulative manner, but you've got to figure out what mood that person is because you can do all the research. And I agree with everything that you said, but you can do all the research. You can do all the homework. You can do all the whatever. And if that dude stepped in a pile of it on the way to work and his wife yelled at him and his kid threw up on the back seat, you're going to have to take a different approach to get through to that guy. Yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't matter, you know, cause so you have to be able to approach on an overall big picture way with that empathy as well to see if that guy is ready to lose his shit or if that guy is ready to sit down and talk to you that day. So yeah. that would be like the final cherry I put on top of it. Um, Paul, it has been amazing having you here. I have a feeling that we could talk for days yes. uh, <laughs> about this stuff and do this. So, so uh, maybe we can have you back on. Uh, we got a sister show, Marketing Masters, which is all about marketing, uh, hosted by the one, the only, uh, the, the, you thought my beard was great. You should see this guy's mustache, Cash Miller. Um, uh, I don't think that the 70s will ever be the same or get that mustache back. So uh, if you want to go on there and talk, I'm sure we can hook you up with there. But Paul, what I want to give you is a couple, three minutes. This is your time, my friend. Uh, tell us where to find you. Tell us where to get a hold of you. For those people that connected with Paul, please go check them out. Uh, if you didn't co connect with them, go try to make a connection. But here is your time to to take time out of my show and, and all your plugs, all your things. Uh, go for it. Thank you. So um, if you are a managed service provider, I'd love to have a discussion with you. Uh, you can have a look at paulgreensmspmarketing.com. That has an S on the end, so paulgreensmspmarketing.com. If you're not an MSP owner, I'd also love, you know, come and have a look at the website. It's got all my connections on there, my LinkedIn, my email, all of that. And, you know, we've got about 500 uh, articles and videos on there. They're just good B2B marketing. So I don't work in any consumer marketing, but even if you're not a managed service provider, the, the, all of the information on there you can take out managed service provider and put your business in if you sell b2b so have a look at paulgreensmspmarketing.com paul thank you so much for being here uh uh, as always, the show is brought to you by Titan Media Works. If you want your own podcast, give me a call. Uh, that's what we do. Uh, we we take all the we take all the crap out of the podcast. You get to do the thing where you get we send you a link and you do the podcast. We'll take care of the editing, the production, and we'll take care of the distribution. So if you're wanting to get into that podcast arena, uh, check out my series on podcasting. Uh, we we go over deep dive why the whys and why nots of podcasting. So check that out. Uh, Paul, thanks once again. Uh, and if check us out at smallbusinessdelivered.com. Uh, we've got several new shows and several new hosts popping up over the next month. So uh, I never know how to say goodbye, so I'm just going to hit the damn button.